Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Bisha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. There was never a plan. No need to explain. And here I am. Starting over again From the eyes of a baby From the eyes of a bird From the tops of the trees From the curbs in the street Julie Doiron is a wondrous and influential musician, songwriter, and singer based in the Canadian province of New Brunswick. After initially gaining a loyal audience and acclaim in the band Eric's Trip in the early 1990s, Duaron has gone on to an illustrious career of her own, releasing many significant and beautiful albums, winning a Juno Award, and collaborating with all manner of other musicians, including the late Gord Downey, The Wooden Stars, Daniel Romano, Herman Dune, and Shotgun and Jaybird, among many others. Duaron's first new solo album since 2012 is a thoughtfully reflective and spirited one called I Thought of You, which is available worldwide on November 26, 2021, via You've Changed Records. As such, Julie and I reconnected for a chat about life in Atlantic Canada during a pandemic. Her love of swimming, being a lifeguard, 
and my fear of giant man-eating sharks. Pondering relationships, human behavior, and parenthood, collaborating with Daniel and Ian Romano and Danny Placard on I Thought of You, thinking and dreaming about Gord Downey, playing shows again, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you with your orders, which you can learn all about at their website, blackbird.ca, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 651st episode of Creative Control, featuring your hero and mine, Julie Duaron, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Julie. How's it going? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm well, thanks for asking. Where in the world are you today? <laughs> I'm in a town called Memramcook uh, in New Brunswick on the east coast of Canada, but somewhere between Moncton and Sackville. Oh, I didn't realize you had uh, relocated. I feel like the last time we chatted, uh, you were still in Sackville. Is this a relatively recent move? I moved here January 2020. So it's almost two years now, actually. That is odd. I moved to Edmonton <laughs> in January of 2020. Ah, well, the, yeah. So we both made a big move. Well, for me, <laughs> you made a bigger move than it. <laughs> it's, it's maybe a little bit bigger. How far? So how far away from Sackville are you currently? Um, it's about like 15 minutes to go in either direction. So oh, I, okay. you made you made the bigger move. I think it's safe to say we made the bigger move. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. You win this round. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, if I may ask, what prompted the move? Well, actually, because I, I just, we wanted to buy a house. And uh, this is also, well, Elsie goes to school in Merrimacook because there's no French school in Sackville. So she was already going to school in this town anyway. And we wanted to have a house and I was living in an apartment in the basement of a friend's house for a couple of years. And so we found this house because honestly, buying anything in Sackville was not in my budget. So this mm. one came up and it was a really wonderful experience. A very, I mean, a wonderful um, opportunity because we bought it pre-pandemic. So we were really lucky. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing the influx of uh, my sister? I'll tell you this. My sister was living, <laughs> my sister was living in Ottawa. Uh, with her oh, yeah. with her partner Beth and their child, and then they uh, they bought a place in Nova Scotia to, mm -hmm. to ostensibly. I, well, I mean, there was family reasons, but they were they were also, I think, uh, seeing what was going on in Ontario and in that part of Ontario in terms of the pandemic, and thought, uh, let's get the hell out of here. Are you seeing an influx of people moving to the East Coast? Because uh, for those around the world listening, uh, Atlantic Canada has mostly staved off uh, the, the it seems to us anyway you can comment on this please if you if you will Julie but it seems to the rest of the world uh, that Atlantic Canada does not seem to have been impacted as uh, in as dire a way from the pandemic as other parts of Canada I think that's fair to say but are you seeing people move there because of that yes I think it is a fair I think that's fair to say I think that we I mean our province in particular New Brunswick we we were closed off uh, 
our premier closed the border, our particular provincial border, for over, it was 15 months, I think, total. Mm. So if you didn't have a secondary residence, well, if you weren't a resident, you weren't allowed in unless you were like crossing through to get to another province. And then at one point they opened up to second to people who had like second residences, so like a cottage or whatever. And but they weren't even allowed in all the time. It was like a brief period of time where they were allowed to come in and then right after Christmas it was closed again until May, I think. Mm. So we were kind of closed off to everyone. So for many months often we had hardly any cases because of that. And then in July they reopened and we went Fully into green because they're the target. We had reached our target of eligible. Like um, they wanted to have like a minimum of people who were va- uh, fully vaccinated and were on their way to their second dose. And then we we reached that target, and they opened up in July. Uh, and they went. We uh, removed masks indoors. That was everything because I think it was a way a way to reward the people who had been like <laughs> vaccinated mm. who had done the work. That was my anyway. That's the way I understand it. And then our cases started to shoot up almost immediately, like a few weeks later. And so everything, we brought in the measures again and um, there was masks back on indoors, some restrictions again, because at one point we were up to like a thousand cases, which throughout the pandemic, we never, like New Brunswick was really low, like Mm. never more than like a hundred and something. So, but now we're back on our way back down. It's been about since mid-September, since they had put all the restrictions, well, not all of them, but many back on. So yeah, we were really, really lucky. We were we were spared a lot of the the horrible like we we our quality of life here kind of there were people who got it and there have been people who have passed away from it and people who have who got it pretty bad but it wasn't as many people as yeah. in other parts of the world so that's to answer that first part you're, you're some, and the second part is that i have noticed a lot of people moving here from away ah. but i don't know if it was because of the pandemic or not, because we're usually typically keeping two meters away from everyone. So I haven't really, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, um, I know some people have moved here. I do see the Ontario plates a lot. And I know that a lot of our houses, like almost all the houses that are for sale sell within a couple weeks now. Yeah, that's different. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about the, the shut shutdown there and your government being uh, pretty assertive about it. And there's diff- mm-hmm. different schools of thought. Like, no one really wants a, a shutdown, but there are parts of the world. Like, let's say let's say uh, someone you're talking to lives in Alberta. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they, might, uh, they might want the leadership to maybe enact some more restrictions to curb, mm-hmm. just to take the advice of the medical community. How is all of your leadership in New Brunswick's uh, actions, how were they received? Were people upset? You, you kind of, you're talking about the border closing, I guess. I could hear a little bit of like, eh, they closed a border. Like that sounds, you know, that's that's obviously restrictive. But are you generally, are people, you can only speak on behalf of yourself, obviously, but were people generally happy with <laughs> the direction that your leadership took in trying to manage this thing? Or were people like, ah, you, you're overreacting. This is not that, uh, you don't have to do that. What, what was it like? Right. I mean, well, for like the, the people that I know and the people that I'm uh, in sort of in the people that I come into contact with all seem to understand why the border was closed and it really did keep the cases away (laughs) you know like there was not very many cases coming in and the ones quite often from what I could tell the cases that were coming in seemed to be travel related actually so because they have to come from somewhere I guess but like 
Uh, I think that a lot of people understood the closures. The people who were really on the Quebec, New Brunswick border, like people who are used to crossing in and out of Quebec on a daily basis, like, because there are some border towns, they were definitely getting pretty tired of it from Mm. what I could hear on the news, like when you would hear people being interviewed. But I mean, I don't live there, so I can't really know for sure. Like I didn't talk to anyone really who was affected by that directly. But I think for the most part, from what I could tell, I think people were were accommodating and, and wanted to feel safe. And I think that the reason that our government was so firm on it was to protect, like, because our medical system here in New Brunswick wouldn't have been capable of, like, even right now, all the all the hospitals are, like, in code red, I think. Yeah. And, like, all the, the emergency rooms are pretty, or, the, sorry, the intensive care units are pretty full, and so are the hospitals. So, and I think they started pushing other things back like other maybe elective surgeries for sure but I don't really know like I I didn't to be honest I've actually missed the last few um, press conferences but I know that um, because believe it or not I haven't heard all of them in the last (laughs) little while but I mean as as obsessively as I was listening for the first 15 months or whatever but um, yeah no I think that my understanding is like a lot of people understood the measures and they and they were okay with it like and you and now we're seeing it because like a lot because obviously like well, I don't know if it's obvious, but um, we New Brunswick has taken the same approach as certain other provinces where like to be able to go to gyms and pools and things, you need to be double vaccinated and stuff. So, right. so everyone, I think like I work part time at the swimming pool in Zieb as a lifeguard and uh, the people who comes to swim there, they're all double vaccinated. And I think everyone agrees that they I mean, they're they're OK with that rule <laughs> you know Good. like to be yeah. able to go to the so but obviously i'm not talking to the people who aren't double vaccinated so because they're not coming to the pool but yeah. um you know yeah. I, there are definitely people who are anti-vax here as well and uh, whatever but i don't know yeah what to say about that yeah. i i don't i feel so discouraged when i think about the fact that people like because there's still a lot of people here who are working in like sorry i my brain is working both in French and English right now. Um, Fair enough. Like working, working in like in um, homes for uh, like seniors' homes and yeah, stuff, yeah. where where that aren't vaccinated. So I and they're refusing to be, and I still don't really understand that. Mm. And and I don't understand why you would want to. I don't know, but yeah. anyway, we don't need. To no, talk we about we that don't. Mess. We don't. It's. I just. I just <laughs> wanted a general vibe. And speaking of which, you know, I uh, since I've known of you. At some point, I learned that you were an avid <laughs> avid swimmer, and uh, swimming is important to you. Yes, I mean you're a lifeguard, which I, I want to. I don't know if we've ever talked about that too much because that's an interesting. That's a that's a fascinating thing to do. That's a lot of responsibility. You you enjoy being a lifeguard. It is a lot of responsibility. It's a uh, so here's the thing. Like I was a lifeguard up until so I was a lifeguard from a teenager till 22, like until I had Benjamin, my first child, mm-hmm. and then uh, I had always planned on going back to work at the pool right after giving birth, but then I just didn't, and I was staying with Ben, and then I started touring again, and I just didn't go back to be a lifeguard again. So years went by, and I think when I was 45 years old, I was swimming again a lot, uh, and I thought it would be fun to recertify myself as a challenge I wanted to know if I could do those same courses and everything (laughs) I I took all the courses and then they hired me the pool where I was taking the final one like the the NLS like the National Life Saving they hired me during my course and then I got like I passed shortly after well I was almost about to do the exam and uh, I wasn't allowed to be on the pool deck alone until I did the exam you know but yeah they uh and so I've been working there since and I really love it I 
will say that swimming is really important for me. And I think it's a, a really important skill that I think that Honestly, for me, I feel amazing every time I'm in the water. There are some times where I feel like I just don't want, I have a harder time motivating myself to get into the water. Mm. But once I'm in it, I always feel great. I will say too, though, now that I'm seeing people swim on a regular basis, I'm not as necessarily good or fast as I'd like to be, but because right. <laughs> there are a lot of pe- regulars who are very uh, dedicated. But um, yeah, no, that's I, it's a it's a it's a hard thing to do. Now, you and I had a brief uh, phone call. Yesterday, actually, come to think of it, because it was you and me, it wasn't very brief. It should have been, probably <laughs> probably could have been more brief. But you and I were talking, and it was fun. But I was telling you that I, I don't swim because, uh, and I think it's partially because uh, my father uh, showed me the movie Jaws when I was like five <laughs> years old, and I was like, that doesn't seem the water doesn't seem good. There's a big fish in there that'll eat you. And then, uh, so I did, that's part of it. And then I was telling you also yesterday that, uh, I also, uh, my parents put me in lessons and I took in water a couple of times and that sort of traumatized me. Like I couldn't breathe. What is your advice? What is your, uh, now I'm 43 and ostensibly I still can't swim. Do you have any advice for me? How, how can I learn how to swim? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I think that a lot of the reason why people are, are don't learn how to swim is because they have a fear of water mm. and they're scared. They're scared of that. They want to be able to breathe the whole time they're in the water. So like and it's I think it's like learning how to coordinate the in breath and the out breath with the bubbles and the water and your face and stuff. I think it's just like my father. Well, I have two dads, but like um, so I have like my birth father and my stepfather. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that my stepfather, he was also really afraid of water. Um, he had almost drowned when he was, I think, 10. And he learned how to swim as an adult. And I think that I think the best thing you can do is just go and take your time. And some people are just really afraid and, and maybe they'll never learn. But I think that all you really have to do is as you start in somewhere where it's like shallow. And, and I think Honestly, I think everybody's different. So I don't know that I could, mm. I would have to be on a one-on-one with you. I I think that if we were doing like a one-on-one lesson in the pool, I think I'd be able to better gauge your fear level. I think that it's really based on, a lot of people are really so afraid that they, they tense up and then yes. they, um, they can't That's float, right. You know, That's what it is. To, I always yeah. make this joke mm-hmm. that I'm not buoyant and people laugh at me. And I say, no, I'm not buoyant. I don't. And, and I also like, I don't think of myself as particularly weak. Here's an example. I come home from the grocery store. I can carry like 10 bags. You know what I mean? Or 10. I can bring yeah. it all in. And I'm like, look, I'm like a he-man when it comes to groceries. Then I go in the water and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. This is exhausting. I can't do it. And I feel weak. Yeah. So I feel that's interesting. So the buoyancy is related to the stress level is what you're saying, potentially. I mean, that's my guess. Mm. I, I don't know. I can't. I'm not a super professional about that but uh, I think uh, that would be my guess if I had to guess why some people I mean especially if you're afraid of the water if you're afraid to be in it I think if you're tensed up you you won't be able to relax enough to float see okay well this is revelatory in itself so I have to basically but I don't know I'm not a pro because I haven't actually taught since I was 22 like I just swim Hmm. I'm lifeguarding but I'm not I'm not one of the teachers anymore but that I did swim a lot uh, all my whole life and I you know I used to I did coach synchronized swimming uh, when I was 16 for a little while and I did synchro for you know I started when I was 10 so that would be my if I had to I would try if I was troubleshooting with you I would like the whole thing was we'd have to learn you we would have to work on you being like relaxed in the water wow. before you could really begin to float so some think. sort of meditation practice before the lesson even began probably that's interesting 
Yeah, or you just have to be in the water with someone you feel safe with and then even just being somewhere extra shallow and just learning how to to float in the water without So I do afraid. go in I go into yeah. lakes, I go into some water and as long as I can touch the ground or whatever, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I start to then I start to panic. So this is all there's some other psychological aspect to this that we're delving into, and I appreciate it, Julie. This is very helpful for me. Well, yeah, I think it's good, and I think it, maybe you just need to be a shallow water swimmer, and maybe that's your your way to go. Well, I feel like the whole world is going to be underwater at some point, and we're all going to be swimming, and I need to evolve. Like, I need to have to uh, <laughs> learn how to swim. So that's, uh, I, I, by the way, and I, before we leave the water and get into your record, you coach synchronized <laughs> swimming, and you were a synchronized swimmer, I, I did not know this, mm-hmm. or at least it wasn't it wasn't in my mind as we were speaking. It was never it was never in my it's bio. never been in your bio. Yes. So my question is uh, because synchronized swimming that's like uh, creating yourself a twin, and we all know that uh, twin siblings have a unique relationship. Are you still in touch with your synchronized swimming partner? And uh, can you do you have that telepathy that you need as a twin? Do you have that still? It's so interesting you asked me that. I was just thinking about her yesterday. Well, I had two different synchronized swimming partners. I had one for the most part, and then like maybe my last year in synchro, I had a different partner. And I was just thinking about the original partner yesterday because we had been best friends up before we started swimming and even when we were in synchro. And then we did lose touch for sure, like, you know, as you become teenagers and I wasn't swimming in that team anymore. Mm. And But I did touch base with her a few years ago and... You know, because I had lived all over the place, like I was back and forth. So yeah, we weren't, we didn't, I don't know, but I did think about her yesterday. So I guess I'd have to check in with her to see if she thought about me on the same day. (laughs) And then we'd have the answer about telepathy or not. It's also fascinating. You're a born collaborator. Like you, you've been collaborating (laughs) since you've been a swimmer. Then you get into bands. You like working with other people. Gosh, you know, maybe I guess I am a born collaborator. I mean, and you know, it was my grandmother who used to sing with me all the time and taught me how to sing and we would be singing in the kitchen all the time. So I guess I learned young how to like... Harmonize. Yeah, to create yeah, with people. That's... Yeah, harmonizing was big. She taught me how to harmonize yeah. for sure. And my mom, my mom, between my grandmother and my mom, they were the two teachers who taught me how to harmonize. Wow. Okay, so we're mm-hmm. we're getting into it now. This seems like a nice segue <laughs> into... So just, just so people who are listening understand this, uh, it is uh, the year 2021 as we're speaking. Julia, how long has it been uh, since you last released a record again? Of your, of your own, uh, I should it, say. Right. If we're speaking... In, the last time I re- released an album of new material under the name of Julie Dueron would have been in 2012. Uh, in the fall of 2012. Right. So yeah. uh, we're coming up on something of a of an anniversary, a nine year anniversary. Uh, if I, I just did some math in my head, and I think that's correct. But <laughs> but I did qualify yes. what I was saying. You have been on other records uh, in this time, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. There's been lots going on. Like I've been touring. I toured through those last. Like I did do a lot of touring during that time. Um, there was, uh, you know, there was a Julie and the Wrong Guys record, which I, I had co-written with uh, the members of that band, who are Mike Peters and Jay Schwartz and Amy McGrath were in that band. Mm-hmm. So we co-wrote that one together. Um, I collaborated with like Mount Erie, uh, and I also did this ongoing project that is the like the Julie Duaron Canta en Español. So that's like another collaboration that I have with Jesus Llorente from Aquarela. And he translates my songs from English to Castellano or Spanish as we know it, as we say in 
over here in Eng- yeah, like yeah. in English when we're speaking. Uh, and I'm sure there's other. Cl- well, I've yeah, I've sung on. Well, I was gonna say my boyfriend's record, but uh, I guess we had just started dating. But he had asked me to sing on it just. But anyway, Danny Placard, he mm-hmm. sings in French in Quebec. Those records came out, um, and uh, I sang on a couple of those. And you know, I've been collaborating with him a lot. And uh, let's see, Mount Erie was a big one that we toured a lot with for before the last year. And then we went in to do this record, and then it was supposed to come out a lot sooner, but. Um, because for obvious reasons, we pushed back the date and then decided, you know what, we may as well just put it out because what are we waiting for at this point? And this one, obviously, we're going to talk about who played on this one, I'm sure, because this was also a very exciting collaboration. Yeah, yeah, we will for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but I, I, I feel like, I, did I forget anyone important between 2012 and now? I'm sure that I did. Was there, a not, a, was there not a I mean, her- I've hermit? sung on, like, sometimes people ask me to sing on... On their songs, and I know I've done that as well. But like in terms of going in the studio and like working on a whole album, that's that's a, I think that's everyone for the albums. Was there a, was there not a Herman Dune interaction in that time frame, or no? We just did. There was a well. I just did a show with David Herman Dune in September in Montreal, and then we went into the studio at Danny. Like Danny Placard is my partner, so we'll, I'll just say that again. So he has a studio in Montreal, and that's David and I went in there and we recorded six or seven songs together while, in September while we were there. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he just messaged me about that the other day asking me if I listened to the songs yet. And so I guess we're going to discuss what to do with that. Soon. I see. Okay. I thought there was something uh, released, but so this is just a fresh thing that you've done. I see. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like I probably forgot. I hope I didn't forget anyone. No, no. I mean, I might have. I'm sorry. It's fine. You shouldn't apologize. There's a, all, all I'm getting at is usually... The- I mean, there was all the weird line stuff too, like when when uh, there was that band too that I was in with... a. Uh, yeah, like Elsie's dad. Right, uh, right. We did that for quite a few, like a few years as well. Yeah. And I feel like there might be, I don't know who else. I don't want to forget anyone. But John McKeel. Oh, no. I didn't sing on John McKeel's records, but I was playing drums with him for a while. Right. Okay. But but so in terms of collaborations, like on re- recordings, yeah. I think I'm, I mentioned everyone. Yeah. All I was getting at there is that, you know, <laughs> the narrative around someone uh, uh, putting out records nine years apart is uh, usually like, what were you doing? And all I was, all I was trying to establish is, and what you said, you were doing quite a lot. Like it wasn't like you were uh, hibernating completely. And and I was going to also say that I have some sense memory in the last nine years of seeing you perform some of the songs mm-hmm. on this record. Is that like I feel like ran for sure? I saw mm-hmm. you do maybe in at Sappy Fest or something. Is mm-hmm. that possible? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it depends what year you were there. 2019 is what I was thinking, I think. I thought I saw you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I might have done that because I wrote it in 2017, I think, or 18. Yeah. 2017. Well, I hadn't been been to Sappy uh, since uh, 2012, and then I... We made a triumphant. Oh my my family and I got to come. Well, we had our uh, we had our son, and then uh, mm-hmm. I went the following year after he uh, uh, they were born, and then I uh, and then I had just hadn't been again uh, until 2019, mm-hmm. and it was very triumphant. And as it stands, it was the last full bore edition. So I feel very lucky that we went when we did. You know, in uh, in 2019, because I don't think there, there's or sorry, I shouldn't say that. Was there something? I know there was well, there, stuff. There's stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, there was like Sappy Fest in another form, like a different form. Yes, exactly. But, right. but yeah. the traditional yeah. form format, uh, I believe the last one, because of the pandemic, was 2019. And I believe... I saw you perform uh, that song maybe in uh-huh. the in the theater. Does that does that ring a bell? That sounds right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So so, so <laughs> these songs. In fact, I yeah. mean, you saw it with that show I did at the theater. Actually, I believe I was still in my bathing suit. Yes, that's correct. Yes. <laughs> so swimming. to bring it back to swimming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like that day was a beautiful summer day, and I brought Elsie to the lake, and then so I had to go do my sound check. So I left Elsie with a. We had run into one of her, uh, a friend of, like, her school friend and her pe- mom. Yeah. So I was able to leave Elsie with them while I went, zipped into town and did the sound check, and then I went back and got Elsie, and then I just went back into town, and then I didn't have time to get un- so undressed, so I was still in my wet bathing suit, and I think my hair was still wet, and I just threw my skirt on over my bathing suit, because I swam again when I went back after sound check. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so I think I actually did that show with just like a skirt over my bathing suit. Have you ever done that before? Have, has swimming no. has swimming ever entered your live? Per- oh, never before. You've never done it before. Well, you know, I might have had a, I might have had my bathing suit on at the River and Sky in Sudbury because I know I swam a lot that night too. There's like a river <laughs> right beside the stage, and I was in there most of the time. And then I, I don't recall necessarily getting out of my bathing suit, but I would have had pants on because it was like a, a nighttime show. Is it comfortable? But, is it comfortable performing music in a bathing suit? Bathing suits can be comfortable. Really. No, it's well, restrictive, right? <laughs> yeah. Like if it's wet, it's it depends if it's hot. Like right. um Like at the Vogue Theater when I did the one at Sappy Fest, it was actually refreshing uh, because it gets so warm in there. So that's partly why I kept it on. And then I knew I could like incorporate it into the show a little bit because then it would, you know, if I was in a wet bathing suit, (laughs) at least I could could talk about something for a minute. Um, But yeah, I think uh, it can be risky to spend a lot of time in a bathing suit in terms of, I think, for for women. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You don't want to like if it gets really hot and then you have pants on and I think it could cause some like unbalance in the in you know our sort of regions. I wasn't going to finish. <laughs> I decided not to try to finish your sentences in any Well, I decided I wished I had stopped talking 30 seconds before. Well, I'm glad you said regions. I mean, now we all know exactly what you mean. No, that's good. I get it. All right. So, so all I'm getting at is some of these songs. Here's the thing, Julie, and I want I want to talk about who you made this record with and all that stuff, but I want to actually begin with uh, the tone. And I also want to say congratulations. It's another uh, beautiful record, and I I love it. And it's been playing around the house uh, a bunch, and everyone uh, here, for what it's worth, we all have been enjoying it very much. So thank you for coming back with your own uh, material. It's uh, Ah, it's, Thank you so much. It's wonderful. Now, it's interesting to me that if I may try to characterize this record before you do, Okay. It, seem, it seems to me <laughs> to be a celebration of new love. However, it's also, uh, I think, reflecting upon the end of relationships. And I find that that's my take on it. First of all, does that ring true to you? Well, I think that I think it most surely does because I've had many seemingly multiple relationships in my lifetime so I think that I'm it seems to be what I know best a subject matter of um, relationships that are both ending and or starting so I think that's kind of my comfort zone in terms of songwriting so yeah I would say that you're you're in the right 
ballpark, if you'll forgive my expression. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I never used that expression before, but yeah, definitely like I you know, I don't like the idea of ever like trying to like process to like um precise like to uh specify mm -hmm. relationships, but but I think that I like the idea of like writing about either heartbreak or falling in love or like yeah new beginnings or something ending and and it's just like because it's like such a part of life like that's so much of what we have to go through at times and some people like you know if fall in love and stay in love and they stay together forever you know yeah and i know that can happen i've heard of it <laughs> but like i uh in and even when my relationships end it doesn't mean that i don't love that person anymore it just means that that relationship wasn't working so yeah. Or, and so I think that for me it's important to maybe celebrate both. I mean, I, I I don't like the idea of like feeling like it's the end of... I feel like there's always someone for, I don't know, for me. But I feel like there's... I, I don't like to get too stuck in like the... Yeah, so to actually I started answering my own question and I didn't know it wasn't asked. Um, yeah, I think you nailed it with like the, <laughs> the endings and beginnings of a relationship. I mean, the songs were written between like 2016 and 2019. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, or like oh, there was only two written in 2016, but then a bunch in 17 and 18, and then I think I wrote one in 2019, like January. Or maybe later, but anyway. Since yeah. you're specifying, since you're specifying the timeline, if you if you <laughs> reflect upon that timeline, was yes. something ending and something else beginning uh, at that at that point? There was stuff ending, and then stuff beginning, yeah. but not all at the same okay. time. I, I it's just yeah. I I know that I know I, I <laughs> like, know but, this might be obvious uh, to to some people, but <laughs> I like how. We're going about answering these questions. <laughs> well, you know what's fascinating is that uh, I'm asking you questions and then you're answering them partially and then you're formulating your own question so I don't have to do anything and then I'm asking you another question, but which is interesting as well because I did notice something and I was going to ask you about mm -hmm. it at some point. I noticed your pronoun usage here is fascinating. You'll be in the song like A Mon Amour or I believe it's um, Good Reason It'll be a song where you're saying, uh, I am doing something or I am doing something. And then the pronoun will shift and it'll change to you or he or they. And then it, it's that person doing the same thing. Like it's not, I found that fast. Am I, do you know where I'm coming from with that? That's what I picked up on. Well, that's, yeah, there, you know, when I think about it, there is a lot of pronoun usage in this record. I'm trying to cycle well, through but, but what I like, all the different songs. It's, but it alternates between... The interesting thing to me, that's not that unusual, but the interesting thing to me is that the pronoun usage is applied to the same action. So it, it would be like... Let me give mm -hmm. you an example. Why am I... Like, uh, let's see here. I thought I had one. I'm coming home. And then mm -hmm. later, uh, now he's coming home. Uh, so there's like... The, that, right. that kind of, But I'm just citing... That's one example from the song uh, Good Reason. But... Uh, and I'm not mm -hmm. fluent enough in French to to deign to try to say the same thing, but I feel like there's a little bit of, like tu caché tes l'âme and then je te caché mais yeah. So there's like an I U thing happening on the same same idea. Does that make? Sorry, I'm babbling. Well, here. it's Just, actually interesting too that you picked that song as an example because that one is like so the other one you says like I'm coming home or he's coming home and and then the other song you chose the uh, Imonamour. It's like the whole idea is that like. 
that because we have to he's going away or I'm going away. So it's actually like I didn't even realize that those two songs were kind of opposite yes. that way. But yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm just, it, it's, it seems empathetic it, of you to not simply say I, 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 me, 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 me. Like you're going through stuff and you're thinking things, but you recognize that the other subjects of the songs might have the same thoughts, might be going through the same things. I think that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, well, I I mean, I don't know that it was intentional, but I think that is what mm. happened. I think I definitely did that. Well, because I, I, the other, this again, this might be obvious, but do you agree that relationships inform one another? Like you go through one thing with someone oh, yeah. and then you learn about yourself and people <laughs> and mm, human yes. behavior and then that informs how you react to the next relationship and, and how that person behaves and, and how you interact with them. Again, I am. Oh, yeah. That's true for you. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. For me. Yeah. In fact, I just feel like I like to think of like I like to take each one as like a really great like let's say it didn't work. And, there, you know, let's say like I'm not with those people anymore, but I like to try and take those experiences and at least learn something. Yeah. And if we're really like open to it, then we can learn a lot about ourselves and we can learn. Yeah, like learn a lot about ourselves and our reactions to certain behaviors or our like our, our tendencies to like expect certain things and expect. Certain, and so I think that I definitely have learned a lot about myself. I know that a lot of stuff that maybe previous reactions I had in past relationships were based on other previous things. So I would already be reacting to how I thought someone was going to behave based on a previous relationship so and, and that mm -hmm. wasn't fair to the person i was in a relationship with at all right. so then i finally because i would be expecting certain behaviors based on past relationships but i was putting that on the people i was in relationships with and it, and they they were not aware of what i had already gone through you know what yeah. i mean like so it's not fair to be in a relationship and do that over and over in other relationships it's like and so hopefully i i've managed to learn things i'm trying my best to always be you know, it's an ongoing learning process on how to be like a good human and, and yeah. how to be like, a, and you know, good. I, I, I don't know if that's the proper word, but or the proper sentiment, but like I'm trying really hard to be respectful in a relationship. I still, the obviously the last year and a half has been challenging. And so sometimes I don't have a lot of patience or sometimes I put too much pressure on myself or sometimes I just don't want to get out of bed and, and that's whatever. <laughs> but yeah. like, I think that if I can move forward from all the past stuff and all the stuff that I've learned and realize like each person is different and each relationship is a new like a, a new thing it's on in and of itself and, and what you experience with that person in that moment in that relationship is is different than what you might experience moving forward with someone else or what you already experienced based on your current life experience mm. and like and how you choose to respond to things or how or how you just naturally respond to things before giving it any thought you know so I feel like I feel like I've learned a lot and I do feel like each relationship informs the next one and I and I think and that also really affected my songwriting like I think over the years like if I was to go back and like yes a lot of my relationships or songs are about all my relationships of heartbreak and love and loss yeah. and but I think that my I think that I'm trying to be less obvious in my songs now as whereas before I was just so direct about things and I, I don't know I'm not saying like I'm really good or not good or anything but I just feel like I just want to be super respect respectful of like whoever are, might be inspiring the songs yeah. and so I don't know 
I just want to be a good person. It's really challenging. <laughs> I find I don't. And so here's the thing that I want to touch on just briefly because I find all my thoughts they disappear if I don't sure. say them yeah, right I'm away. Yeah, the same. Don't worry. Um, yeah, I feel like, and I don't know. I don't know if it's because we've just spent all this time in the situation that we're currently in, or if it's because I'm almost fifty and because I have experience, a little more life experience in terms of who I, you know, with relationships. I don't have that much life experience in the grand scheme of what other people have experienced. But I don't know if I've, if I'm having like sort of a midlife crisis and the fact that like sometimes I just feel like everything is so huge to overcome sometimes and then other times I'm like okay I can do this I can get I can go out and be in the world today and I don't know if it's just because of what we're going through as a society and a whole collective or or if it's just because I'm older and I'm more aware of things or I just feel like sometimes I'm so heartbroken about everything and not just what you know my own like sometimes i find that what i'm going to sing about is completely irrelevant and why am i bothering yeah, sure. basically you yeah. know what i mean i and so when i was writing these last songs actually i wrote those songs before all these feelings <laughs> so like yeah it must be the last year and a half that are really like making me question like for a little while i was like i didn't even see any reason to put this record out anymore i was just feeling like okay this is not it's not really appropriate like i just felt like there's so much going on and there's so that I didn't think it was appropriate to put out music yeah. anymore. But then I think I made it through that uh, where people were like, well, you know, music really also helps people. And I was like, oh, well. Well, okay. no, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> Julie, like you've written about your life and your relationships, but you've also written songs that I think are about and for your children. And I will, t- I will mm-hmm. tell you personally, like as a, as a still a rel- uh, my my children are still relatively young, ten and almost seven, and uh, but I I I thought of your song. I thought I think of your songs about your children often because um, they are both they're just in, you know sorry just so people are clear you have you have children of with a fairly wide age range at this point right yeah yeah my oldest is twenty six going to be 27 soon that's an, that's amazing then, i can't even believe that yeah, yeah and i don't know i don't know how all my children would feel about me telling their ages on the oh, but, sorry. but i think that everyone could no i think that if the people wanted to do the math they could figure it out so i don't think they're particularly worried about it but yeah so my you know i mean well we don't we don't have to get so yeah. 26 24 19 and right, eight. right. so, so we, i didn't mean to so t- <laughs> all i'm getting it. oh no but <laughs> i don't i honestly should check with them but i don't think that they would be like hey like i think they know I think everybody who like who is if people I've toured through my pregnancies and people if people wanted to they there's a doggy whoops yeah there's two nice. actually well <laughs> but, hilariously or yeah or, or, I don't think that any of my kids would mind about me saying there was once uh, we once did a, a a radio show with uh, you and me we were supposed to have breakfast. Uh, for we that did show. Have breakfast. And then all of your the children I, that existed at the time, yeah. they all they were all there on the show. It was fun. It was really, it's really fun. True. Yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah. I just was getting I just went upstairs to tell one of those children, Rosie, who I believe was at the break I told her like, Okay, I'm gonna be doing this podcast. It's like all quiet on set. And uh <laughs> and um and I to- I mentioned that she had already met you at uh when we did that did that breakfast. Right. And did she remember this at all? Yeah, she did. Okay, nice. Well, that's fine. I'm not. I don't know why. I, 
that matters. My point is, when you have children, uh, it does shift your worldview quite a bit. And there's highs and lows, of course, uh, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've been through them. You have the unique experience of having children from different age ranges, uh, and I find that fascinating. I, I think it puts you in touch with a whole different time <laughs> you know your one child is telling you what 27 year olds are up to and then you you're immersed in what an eight-year-old is doing and i feel like that like that's what i found with my kids i i know more about what's going on in their world and as and and as as a result in what's going on in pop culture because they they're so immersed in the world you know uh with technology and tv shows and and what people are kind of talking about in their age range and that informs things that I think about. And so I just, all I was getting at is I've thought about your songs a lot as a parent. Mm. As a parent, they've been helpful. And like your love for your children has always been uh, expressed in your music. And I feel like for what it's worth, it's your music has been very helpful. I think they help people negotiate their own relationships. Just as you say, we're in a pandemic and we're learning a lot for better or for worse about human behavior. And I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of your music has been thinking about human behavior <laughs> like why do <laughs> why do people act the way they do how do they interact like so all i'm saying is thank you and and i i hope that yeah. that resonates with you well thank you thank you you're welcome yeah. you're welcome mm-hmm. now speaking of human beings you worked with some really amazing human beings. I, I thought you were going to say, speaking of human beings, you are one. You are like, you yeah, are a human being. I Let's, am we, one, You're not yes. some weird fish <laughs> that comes up on stage every once in a while to sing songs in a bathing suit. No, you, uh, you wanted to talk about your collaborators on this uh, record, and I would like to talk about them too, because some of them, almost mm-hmm. most of them have been on my show, and I've interviewed them. Who did you make mm-hmm. this record with? So this record I made with, uh, so Danny Placard on bass, Daniel Romano, or, well, Ian Romano on drums, and then Daniel Romano on, I think, all the other instruments. Guitars, <laughs> He did, like, keys, the guitars and keys and... Uh, some percussion. And, well, percussion. Yeah. Yeah, and then a bunch of, we all did the hand claps together, but, yeah, so, uh, and I played, I guess, guitar and sang. And then Mike... Uh, Michael. Oh yeah, and Michael Michael Forstack was a guest uh, for the uh, pedal steel on on uh, Darkness to Light. So yeah. let's talk about this assembly. Like I know your history well enough to know that that this makes sense. You have uh, collaborated with many of these people before, but why why was mm-hmm. why was this a configuration? And by the way, you made this record primarily uh, at Danny's studio in Montreal, I believe. And in or no, wait, maybe I'm wrong about uh, that. yeah, no, it's slightly. No, I did all the voc. I did the vocals at his studio at La Chaise in Montreal. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. but you made it in Quebec uh, mostly. Is that right? Yeah, the album. So what happened was we we recorded the record that we tracked all the songs and everything at a studio called Bedouz, uh in Valcourt, Quebec. Mm-hmm. And then the vocals. I think I sang vocals for one or maybe two songs there, and then I finished all the vocals at Danny's studio. So just for the rest of this interview, as we speak about the musicians, I'll say Danny for Danny in Montreal, and then I'll just say Daniel, I guess, for Romano. This is, is okay. This is a great no- <laughs> nominal <laughs> clarification. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, because before I met my Danny, the bass player, who on this record I also <laughs> used to call Daniel Danny. Yes, of course. So it became a little confusing. Um, so now uh, we'll just call him Daniel because that's his artist name, I guess. Well, that's his name. Well, that's what do you name. What do you do when when both Dans are around? Uh, do you refer to both of them as Danny? Well, I think I just called Dan Dan 
like Daniel R. Dan. (laughs) And then my Danny is actual name is Danny. So it's a little bit easier to. Right. um, It's not it's not D-A-N-N-Y. It's D-A-N-Y. No, it's D-A-N-Y. And that's that was his actual name from birth till now. Right. There you go. Yeah. We are (laughs) are getting a lot of information about people's births on the show, which is good. No. Yeah. So this. this, So that's clarified. Yeah. So how it came together was that. So Danny, like my Danny yes, Placard, yes. is a he's also a musician, songwriter, and producer. And he he and I were doing a show together as a duo at a festival in Quebec in uh, called the FMR in Rouen, Noranda. Uh, and that was just before, so September 2019. And we were put on the same bill as Daniel Romano and the Sadies. So that was the closing night of the festival. And so, you know, having been friends with Dan and Ian for a long time, we were all chatting outside. And uh, Danny brought up the idea that I was going to be doing a record soon or that I should be doing my record soon because he, I was kind of just putting it off. I probably was going to go the rest of my life without even really pushing myself to go into a studio really fully, to be honest. Like, I, I wasn't really in a hurry to go record. Like, I was starting to think, like, oh, maybe I should. I don't know. If I hadn't met Danny, maybe I probably would still just be singing on these songs. I'd still be writing more, but... For some strange reason, I find it intimidating to go in the studio because I'm always afraid of trying to decide what the definitive version of that song is going to be mm-hmm, that's going to mm-hmm. stay like recorded forever or whatever. Whereas I love playing live because then I'm not committed to any particular version. So, But anyway, so that's just an aside. Yeah, We were standing outside the festival talking about recording. We were talking with Ian and it came up that Ian would like to play drums on it. So I was like, oh, that would be great. And then Daniel was walking by and he mentioned that he would like... <laughs> want to play guitar on it and then he just kept walking wherever he was going and so we there we go we had the band put together just like that and we coordinated everyone's uh schedule everyone happened to be available in february and that's when we went in we reserved the studio for four days we tracked everything in basically two i think i think we did all the songs in two days and then i think ian and dan because they were going to be going on tour in the U.S. like a few days after for a Daniel Romano tour. And so I think, I can't remember if we did a third day with them. Like we did all the tracks in two days. Oh, yeah. And then all the overdubs were on the third day. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. So we did all the songs in two days and then all like the overdubs, like keyboards and extra guitars were done on the third day, hand claps, percussions. And then, um, and then they left in the morning of the fourth day. And then I sang a couple songs and then we started packing up the studio and went home and I sang the rest in Montreal. I see. Now, how collaborative are the arrangements here? Because there are guitar parts here that get, um, like you gave me the key, there's the lead guitar part is is always in my head. It's about the, I and know. Then, and then there's a song like Just When I Thought, which is mm-hmm. not a, it's not a departure for you, but it's like, it dis, it's distinctively uh, produced, uh, if I will, if I may say, like it has a real like. Oh, they probably they they did some studio stuff with this. Like they spent time kind of making this like a real. And we didn't. We did. Oh. We didn't. There was no. Uh, so like I had done the demos in Montreal like in April, and I sent I sent the guys the demos after we decided we were making a record together. And uh, I, I don't believe they listened to them. They said they did. They just wanted to like play the songs like live or whatever. So we really only did like one or two takes, per, maybe two to learn the song or whatever. And like it was all pretty, pretty quick and oh. natural. And and a lot of the like those guitar parts, most like the ones that sound more like Daniel played them. He wrote those for sure. Like I didn't. 
the he did all the cool like really cool licks that I I mean like for you gave uh, sorry for um, just when I thought that was a departure for me but when I wrote that one I wasn't planning on keeping my guitar in the mix. I just wanted to have that as the... I, when I wrote it, I had visualized it just being some type of keys or organ or mm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And that I only play the guitar to guide the song in the studio, but we kept it in the mix anyway. Cause, so the one that's like kind of like a finger-picking yeah, one, that's yeah. still... That's me. That's still in the mix. But I wasn't planning on leaving it in the mix originally when I was like guiding the song in the studio session. But we didn't do any pre-production like that. Everything... It's kind of a miraculous... I was so excited because it just went so smoothly and like Dan and Ian and Danny were all so amazing and easy to work with. Like it was very collaborative. There was no, no one was called the producer in the session. Like everybody just gave their ideas as, and we just went with it. And, and what would happen? Like when we would get a song, like sometimes Dan would be like, Oh, can I try something on, you know, can I try this guitar part? And we'd be like, yeah, go for it. It was like, Oh, I think I have an idea for a keyboard part or whatever. Like, yeah. And so we just, and I, I just kind of, he was on a roll and I just kind of let him try things and I was like super happy with every moment. Like there was a few times where maybe like, you know, maybe like he would try something on a keyboard and then maybe Danny who was like engineering, he would like be at the board and be like, why don't you try it on this instrument? Like, right, on the, right. And then, it, uh, and then it would work great. So, the, but there was nobody who was like the producer and nobody was like calling the shots if you will and I also don't like to use that expression I can't believe I just said that but um, I've never said but no one was like making the the definitive decisions like on anything so it was like a real group effort even though they were my songs but I will say like a lot of the guitar parts like like I did I do find that Daniel like did come up with a few guitar lines that really like sculpted the song like it really brought the song to another level which i'm really grateful for yeah for sure well then i mean mm-hmm. that song goes into a mon amour yeah. a mon amour which is also gorgeous and i think oh, also you. like a really cool arrangement and and so just based on my mangling mm-hmm. of the title people can maybe uh hopefully understand that the song is en français it's in french mm-hmm. uh <laughs> yeah. well, what motivated that particular decision to sing this particular song in in the with these uh with these lyrics with french in french rather well that's how i wrote it so i didn't really that it just came out in french that's all oh, okay <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, I wrote that song like I, Danny and I had rented a cottage uh, and we were in a cottage for a weekend and I wrote that song in the closet at the cottage. Like it just, um, I woke up with it in my head and I ran in the closet so I could be alone in privacy. And I started it like maybe the first verse in the closet and then I finished the rest at home. But hmm. I, so I didn't write the whole thing in the closet, but okay, well, it just came out French. I think it came out French because I, I speak with Danny in French. So I think that's, <laughs> it was like a, I think that's why, do, honestly. Do, do you, do you often write songs in French? Uh, is, I, know, I have often. I know, on I know you the, have, but I, is it something yeah. you, is it a part of your practice generally? Well, it's something that I've always wanted to do more of, but sometimes I just kind of forget. And then now that I'm in a relationship with someone who's primarily francophone, I because I speak French so much, uh, I have been writing way more. And so there, I already have three that are pretty much ready that I could probably record. And then like I'm working on toward maybe like an EP or I think I just started writing one. I did just start writing lyrics for one two weeks ago, but I kind of forgot about it, so I have to go back to that. Nice. But yeah, so it is something I want to do more of, but I think that in the past, because I was in more in relationships with with people who are Anglophone, yeah. or mostly Anglophone, I just wasn't really writing in French. If I was writing songs 
for those people or while I was in relationships because I was doing more speaking in English. And so I think it's really just depending on what language I'm speaking more of. It just kind of comes out. Yeah. I won the, yeah. uh, just, I'm not trying to brag, but I won the French award in grade eight. Eh. <laughs> and then I won, I won like a lesser version of it when I got to high school in grade nine. Like there was no pomp and circumstance, uh-huh. but it's all kind of, now my kids are in French immersion and uh-huh. I'm having, I'm struggling to know what's happening. I, I need to oh. immerse myself more. Did yeah. you, when Danny came into the picture and you started speaking uh, French more regularly, did you feel like you were a little rusty? Did it all come back? Do you always have it? You know, I I probably have gone through phases in my life where there was a little bit of more rust than than not. Mm. It depended where I lived, like because I lived in Montreal for six years, and then we were back in New Brunswick for three, and then or I should say Sackville, and then back in Montreal for two, and then back in Sackville for one, and so and then when I was in Toronto, I wasn't speaking any French except for my kids were in French school. Mm. Uh, well, two of them were in French school in Toronto, and so. And not French immersion, but in actual French yeah, school. So yeah. I was still speaking a lot of French with those parents and teachers and stuff. But yeah, so it really depended. And I've, I I have like also been known to like tour in France quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. So obviously when I'm there, my, my French, you know, I heard someone in an interview recently on the, because I listened to a lot of um, Radio Canada, so mm-hmm. a lot of French CBC. And um, there was someone being interviewed recently who touched, he mentioned something that I've always felt that I've done. And, and I, sometimes I felt a little bit, ashamed a little bit because people are always like well they don't understand my accent because like I'm from New Brunswick but I don't sound necessarily like like Acadian and sometimes yeah. like, sometimes I would tend to, my my French was always influenced by where I was living or where I was traveling so I would always tend to like adjust my accent accordingly to make sure people could understand me as well as possible so right. and I always thought maybe that was because of like speaking more French at school rather than in the home because when I was growing up, we didn't necessarily speak it all the time at home. So yeah. I always wondered if like, well, maybe I wasn't like genuinely Acadian enough or gen, you know what I have? I was like always feeling like, oh, shucks, yeah. I don't yeah. really have an accent that shows where I'm from. And then I heard someone speaking on the radio the other day on French CBC who's totally Francophone, never really spoke English, and they tend to change their accent depending on where they were yes. traveling yes. or living. And I was like, and he said the same thing in the interview that, for him, it was important just to be understood and, and the importance of communicating. And so I was like, oh, that's what I always felt like. Like, yeah, it's it's and I'm proud. Like, you know, I hate I, again, that idea of being proud of something is a little weird. But like I was always like now that I'm back here and I'm living in memory cook and I'm working at a pool in Dieppe. And now I speak like fully shiak all the time. And I'm just like slip into that. Wow. That dia- that dialect, which I love and I'm most comfortable in that dialect. I mean, now I feel like. I found my comfort zone in terms of when I'm speaking French. But when I'm like in Montreal, maybe I speak a little less Chiac or, you know, like now if I'm in France, like I probably won't speak full on that dialect. You know what I mean? So, but I, uh, I think that I'm usually just pretty influenced by where I'm living or where I'm traveling. And and now I've decided that it's okay, whatever, (laughs) as long as people can understand me, that's the importance. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wondrous mind you have there. Lots going on. I got a lot of, (laughs) but you know, I do love it. Oh Yeah. Sometimes it's weird. My brain doesn't remember words, like depending in either language. I was uh, I once did a very long interview with Jim O'Rourke, uh, who moved to Japan, and he would frequently. It was it was uh, because of the time change. It was really the middle of the night, oh, and yeah. I will I will say uh, he had been consuming a little bit of sake, and uh, but he would just <laughs> frequently slip into Japanese. He hadn't been there that long, but oh, wow. he would just frequently lose. And so it's very I, all I'm getting at mm-hmm. is I think it's pretty. 
pretty common, particularly yeah. if that's what's going on in your household. I don't break into Hindi because I never spoke it fluently, but every once in a while I say to my kids like, Jalo, which means come on, let's go. Like, you, oh, you know, yeah. I just, I, I can't nice. help it. It's just, I hear my parents, you know. Anyway, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I appreciate the ground we've covered here today. I just want to ask one last thing about the record. And, and I think I know the, oh, yeah. well, so you and I, you knew him uh, very well because you played with him. Uh, but you and mm-hmm. I have this mutual uh, friend, uh, Gord Downey, who passed away uh, in 2016. Yeah. And whenever I, or sorry, in 2017, uh, sorry, yeah. And whenever yeah. I speak to people uh, who worked with him or knew him well uh, and they put out records, I, I try to find him. I just try to see if he's around in the song somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I found him here, but is is he around anywhere or do you feel his influence or anything like that? I feel his influence all the time. And to be honest, I still have a lot of dreams where he's in the dream. I just had one again a few weeks ago on the, basically on the, you know, on the, the I, I don't know. Yeah. The, well, the, on the 17th. Yeah. Like I had yeah. another dream with him in it. And um, he shows up in my dreams all the time. Just like we're just hanging out, like either at his house or we're going to go have a practice or what. It's like really strange and i'm usually aware that it's just strange how he's in my dreams all the time and it always feels like we're about to do music together i don't know that i he necessarily shows up in a direct way in the songs like i but because but i have to go back and think about it and listen to every all of them because i don't necessarily know what you know where everything shows up from in those songs. yeah and but, i don't mean to pry either yeah. it's just i know you express yourself and your feelings and i will confess to you like i knew him fleetingly like we had limited interactions emails uh, mm-hmm. encounters here and there we weren't friends but i felt friendly with him mm-hmm. and we knew each other and i'm still processing yeah. the fact that he's not around yeah just I I've said this before and I say this about different people I admire it's just nice to know that even if they haven't put out a record that they might be working on something yeah. and and I always when it finally comes out when there was a new gourd or tragically hip thing I'm like great let's see what he got up to let's let's check it out and the fact that that's gone mm-hmm. selfishly like beyond the fact that he was a person that was very kind to me and uh and I admired I'm selfishly just missing mm-hmm. His work, and so sometimes I remember uh, hearing him, his presence in the last Sarah Harmer record, and she kind of confirmed that he was around and and inspired certain songs because mm-hmm. they were very close as well. Yeah, and so that to me is an extension of him. You know, the fact that he informs people's work. You know, that's what we do. We 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 keep people alive by their by keeping their memories going. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, I I couldn't quite I'm sh- I hear what you're saying he might be here but it's a bit non-specific. Well, you know, I haven't really thought about it like in that way because the songs I recorded them. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. I I uh and then I kind of forgot about them for a while, so then I but I mean, he's still very much like I I you know, I have a picture of him on my fridge and I still think about him all the time and I I yeah. it's weird like cuz yeah, I still like just randomly cry at times just thinking, yeah. like when you realize that you're not going to see that person again in that way or that they're not around in a physical sense in a, yeah. physically rather like in our the way we would you know what i mean i don't want to get too yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah but like yeah. i i do i think i learned so much from gord and i i learned how to be like a 
I learned also how to collaborate and I learned how to like listen to people's ideas and learn how to like uh, have fun playing music. And I'm always going to be forever grateful of like being a part of that experience with him and, and just learn. I learned a lot. Like I, uh, I really like that idea. Like when he would meet someone, he would like say their name right away and yeah, like nice to meet you, Vish, you know, and yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. that was totally. like a really... I, I took that in and I <laughs> I applied that in my day to day. And so even just things like that, like I, uh, yeah, it's still, it's, it's so hard to when you realize that someone's not there, like in a physical way, like I can't just call him. Like, I think that's what's weird too, like knowing that like you, yeah. So yeah, no, in terms of this album, I'm not sure how to answer your question, but maybe, you know, there will be something at some point that will come out. Yeah, music. I, I, I think I, it was still too soon for me too. like yeah, a lot of the sure. songs I was still processing. Yeah, it takes a while for me to process things. I'm not very good at like just jumping right into something. No, no. And I and I didn't mean to <laughs> I didn't mean to uh, cite it as uh, something that's missing. I know it's yeah, a lot to, no, I know. To, to think about. And, and the themes of the record, as we've established, seem to be uh, about relationships uh of a particular kind um mm-hmm. so i get that part i just want to share because uh, i didn't mean to make us sad uh but oh, just no, to, just to share yeah but just to share a happy memory that we both shared uh, in yeah. a sense i don't know mm-hmm. if you remember this but the last time uh gord downey and the country of miracles the band that you were in with him uh performed at the hillside festival in the summertime uh-huh. uh, and i don't know what it must have been for the grand bounce i'm guessing so quite a quite a long time ago now i got to introduce the band yes and so i was on stage and i was introducing everyone i might have fucked it up as i recall i don't know if i forgot someone or what <laughs> i think i got it right but anyway i introduced the band you guys were off on the in the wings and then you all came out to you know the ovation after i said the the band's name but gord stopped and he touched my arm <laughs> and he said and he said thank you vish i'm so glad that you were here today and i'm telling you like that seems like any then he went on stage and he sang and you guys performed and it was great but i don't know there's something about it like i know it's i'm i you know it's one of those things where like mm-hmm. maybe i'm making too big a deal of it but i feel no. the war- i feel the warmth of his hand on my arm yeah. and i feel the sentiment of like a guy who should have just probably been focused on i gotta go on stage i gotta perform he took a moment to just talk to me and thank me for introducing him and say i'm so glad you were here today Mm -hmm. and it moves me still uh yeah so anyway no i I made myself sad and i'm sorry yeah sorry um okay so julie Thank yes. you for making this record. I'm just fighting <laughs> fighting back some emotions here, but I, no, I just... No, I know. You yeah. know, he was really special that way. Like, uh, he all, he had a really amazing way of making you feel, like, special and, and loved and... Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all this to say, uh, <laughs> you uh, have to uh, probably ponder uh, maybe, what, hitting the road? You're a family person, and I know things are weird, but do you think you'll be... Uh, circulating and playing songs for uh, I Thought of You at some point? Well, that's a good question. You know, right now that we have three shows that are planned for December, only in not that far from me. So, and then I don't know what to do. I don't know how seriously we can actually, like, I don't know. That seemed like a big move was to book these three shows. <laughs> um, so I don't really know how to move forward. Like, I we're going to have to just take it, like, 
you know, step by step, see like what makes sense as things open and close and open and depending on where the country and the rest of the world is at yeah. with like the pandemic. But I think that for now, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the idea of like playing where the three places that we booked. But yeah, there will be shows at some point. I'm not sure like how and when or but these, there are those three, but I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to... I don't know when they're being announced. No, no, no that's fair. <laughs> they, you can keep secrets from me. I appreciate that. Yeah. I know you like to surprise Vish. You're like, oh, I got some information. Wait till Vish finds out about this on the internet. No, no, I, I get it. No, no, it's fine. You, you, there's the things, logistics. I just don't know how the... You know how the logistics of like business... Absolutely. No, we, we'll keep an... We'll, on that note, if people want to... Well, there's two things I wanted to say. First of all, Dream scenario, it's you, Danny, and the Romano brothers performing these songs together. Is that your hope? There's a dream scenario that will that currently is planned for those three shows. Okay. Yes. Okay. And it'll be Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. That's what's confirmed right now as this lineup, as your okay. dream lineup, okay. as you say. So that's yeah. number one. The second thing I was gonna say, <laughs> just to keep people in keeping in mind that everyone has like their own Yes, careers as well with schedules. So we so for now in December there are are like uh, the three shows planned at, with the current lineup of that band. Okay, of the album of the album. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah. Uh, if people wanted to keep tabs on what you're up to using their uh, computers and their telephones. Uh, where would you want to send them to learn more? Oh, and I mean, sorry, I will say just to jump the gun, exciting thing for me as a fan of the label and a fan of the people behind yeah. it, your next record mm-hmm. is coming out on You've Changed, which is exciting. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. That's great. Yes. So I just wanted to point that out as well. But otherwise, where would you like to send people uh, to learn more about I Thought of You, potential tour dates, anything like that? I guess that people would go to the You've Changed site or I guess there is a Julie Dweron website that we keep up to date with uh, that kind of information. I mean, I don't know who, uh, there's a a few people who keep it up to date. And then uh, I guess like the usual uh, social media that exists out there. Okay. Um, But definitely I would say through You've Changed or Julie Dweron. I believe the website for Julie Dweron is Julie underscore Dweron, but it could be a dash. I honestly should check that out. But if you Google it as the, yeah. or whatever search engine of choice, it should come up anyway. Okay. Very nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, uh, if we can go out on a song uh, from mm-hmm. I Thought of You right now for people. Oh, boy. People that's there. high pressure. It's a high pressure situation. Oh. I don't know if you know. The dogs are chiming in. I hear them. They want to. Yeah. Well, they, I think my parents just arrived because they're dropping off a box of stuff for the kids. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll I don't want you to miss them. So is it possible for you to pick a song from the record? And, a song. And, and, pick a song. You want me to pick a song to go out on for the. Yes, for this, and I wonder if you can tell us why you chose the song you chose. Oh, no, I don't know what song to pick, Vish. Oh. That's so hard to pick just one. We've talked about a few. Does any Do any of them make sense for this? Um, we talked about uh, Just When I Thought, A Mon Amour. We talked about You Gave Me the Key a little bit. Uh, yeah, why don't you play a... Oh, gosh, if you were going to pick one song, to, and this is the song that we're going out on, this is how you're going to end the... Shoot. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to pick something that we talked about, then I guess, um, well, I guess either Just My Thought or Emo Namur. Yeah, I'm happy to... Or, I mean, You Gave Me the Key is obviously very catchy. Yes, it is. It's a catchy song. <laughs> Catchy-ass song, as the kids say. Uh, but they're all great. But they're all great. Just When I Thought or Emo Namur, I honestly... Oh, I don't know. I'd be okay with any of them. 
Why don't we go out? Uh, because if it's because, because it's a, a little, we both agreed it was a little bit of an anomaly sonically. Yes. Why don't we go out on just when I thought just to give people a taste of it? What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that sounds great. Just, That's actually a great idea. Okay. Just because this yeah. this is so people understand. This is on the record. It sounds a little bit different than almost everything else on the record in a great way. And now you get a little treat. And then you, yeah. you got to check out this whole album. I thought of you for the other flavors, if you will. Now I'm hungry. You see what's happening? It's almost lunch. <laughs> I think I'm getting hungry yeah, too. Okay. <laughs> this is uh, Just When I Thought by uh, the, the wonderful and talented uh, Julie Duaron from the new record, I Thought of You. Julie, thank you so much, as always, for talking to me at all, for taking my calls, for answering oh my, my emails. It's always a, you know, you're a hero to me, and I thank you, and I wish you the best of luck with everything in the future. Well, thank you, Vish. And I, I just realized that my furnace kicked in for a little bit and I should have turned the heat off. I hope that the I hope the sound of the furnace didn't ruin the whole take. This is the best outro ever. <laughs>
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Always a uh, tremendous thrill to speak with Julie. Thank you, Julie. Thanks again for being on the show. And for those of you who are uh, just uh, joining the show, this was the 651st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available wherever wherever, wherever you get your podcast. You know what I did the other day? I bit my tongue in the middle. I was eating. And I don't even think I was talking. I usually, I'm not the one in my family who talks when they eat. I try to just eat, but everyone else likes to talk. But anyway, I think I was talking and I bit my tongue so hard that it hurts to talk and I can't quite talk. I can feel it still. It's bad for my business, this aspect of my business. Anyway, sorry, I flubbed something. What did I say? Oh yeah, the show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. It's very hard to talk right now. I hate this. It hurts so much. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly, stupid tongue, at uh, vishkana on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. Those are my direct handles, at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation. To sustain this podcast, you get the podcast for free. I know it's free. Everything's free, right? Nothing. You don't have to pay for nothing. But through the generosity of people like you who listen to the show regularly, it makes it feel like I'm not just doing all this work for nothing. So six dollars or more grants you access to exclusive content uh, on my Patreon. So what I'm saying is, every week I try to put something out for free, and then people donate to keep the show going, which is great. And then I try to reward them even further. Uh, with uh, extra content whenever I can dig into my archive. So $6 or more a month on the uh, Patreon grants you access uh, to that content. Also, uh, if you're interested in a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last. Certain words hurt more than others with this tongue issue. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about. Uh, at their website, blackbird.ca. They're based in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, but they might be able to help you wherever you are in the world. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie. He lets me uh, use some of his music on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you very much for listening to this episode with Julie Doron and uh, for buying her new album or listening to it, whatever people say these days. Uh, I thought of you. It's wonderful. You can learn more about it at you changed, uh, you've changed records.com. 
And uh, otherwise, yeah, please subscribe to this podcast if you if you don't already or follow it. And uh, maybe tell your friends about it. Spread the word about the show. Uh, that helps it a lot as well. And that is all I want to say for now. Thank you very much. I will talk to you soon. I got to go deal with my tongue. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.